Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Support for the ISO is brought to you by Manscaped. Yep, that's right, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Well, brought my wife in on this read because it's a little awkward. (laughs) Thank you for that one, Dan. I actually think that this is something people probably have issues with and aren't exactly sure where to turn. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Now you might think, is this something I need? Have I ever had an incident? when I probably could have used a Manscaped. Dan, I don't necessarily know that this is something you've ever had an issue with, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Well, here you go, folks. Right now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ISO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ISO20. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Welcome to today's episode of The ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations with experts in the field of sports, as you guys know, if you listen and subscribe, typically basketball. That's my wheelhouse today's. Someone that I know a little bit, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more of his backstory, his philosophy. One of the best trainers, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but really from what I've heard from a number of people, probably in the country, uh, from the Tacoma area, Chris Hippa. Chris. How's things going with with all the craziness of not being in gyms as much as we'd like uh, for you? You know, I mean, I'm always optimistic. You know, things are good. Uh, Obviously, I miss the gym. 
uh, and I can't wait to get back, but I've been doing the best that I could to, you know, just kind of create new things and uh, just kind of stay active, you know, so just doing the best that I can. Let, let's talk about creating new things right now, because I, I follow you on social media. It looks like you've got a really cool partnership right now with, with a basketball company in creating your own training ball and, and possibly a training program. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm not sure if you have any experience of using like four or five pound balls, you know, something that I started doing though back when I played. And back then it was when you use like the black and blue medicine ball. And those things, you can get the black and green one that were 12 pounds, the black and orange one that was 14, the black and blue one I think was like eight. And I used to bounce that ball in the racquetball court so before I went and played. And just the difference in feel that I felt and how it helped my handle as far as it being able to get quicker and stronger. And then through the years, there's been different brands that have tried to come out with balls and I've experienced, you know, all of them. And then I finally, you know, Jake Jackson, who's the head coach at Sumner, who's the CEO of Sterling, we sat down and it was an idea that I brought to him about creating my own heavy ball as far as with like the texture that I like, the weight, all that stuff. And so I had my hands in directly creating a heavy ball, a training tool that will help players. That's awesome. I, I, I followed it a little bit on social media. I didn't know how that, that is how it came to be. And, and I'm right there with you. I, I didn't use a heavy ball daily, but I used it a lot in my workouts. And I think it's a nice change of pace um, to in, improve your ball handling skills. I think footwork and ball handling are two things that are, are misunderstood by the average fan and by the not well-versed coaches and the players who aren't serious don't take serious enough ball handling and footwork. Would you agree? I mean, when you think about footwork, I mean, you think about, and I know the game has changed as far as the way it's taught sometimes it's like the grassroots, but when we grew up, it was a lot of jump stops to the free throw line, half court, free throw line, half court, reverse pivot, front pivot. And we took those things for granted. But I think that a strength that I've always had that people have always said is you have great footwork. And it's not always glorious. It doesn't always look good. But Coach K and Kobe have, have always said that footwork is a prerequisite to all great players. And I think that it's something that's under taught. And even with ball handling, I think that people right now will say it's too fancy, don't over dribble. But I think it's the one thing, though, with a young kid that you can do that will help build confidence, that will inspire them and build joy to the game. And so ball handling, though, for me, it always was a place that I could go. It was never drills. It was always something that I could do for 15 to 20 minutes where I could lose my mind and I could kind of get lost in doing it. And in turn, I ended up getting a good handle. So I, I do agree. They are under taught. And I think that sometimes uh, people think that ball handling is, uh, oh, it's too fancy. It can get to that point, but it's something that you got to be able to do. Yeah, I I like how you describe that. You just kind of work at it and you get lost in it. It's not a set pattern of a movement or anything. It's just kind of creative. And the best ball handlers in the world are creative. Being a trainer that works and believes in the ball handling and the footwork, who's the best ball handler that you think is in the game now as well as maybe the best ball handler that you've seen? Kyrie Irving, probably the best as far as just because like, I feel that when you watch him, though, that it, it, it is an art. Spent so much time just, you know, not even doing structured drills, but just getting to the point, though, where he's just got a ball in his hand and he's just being creative. Jamal Crawford, those two guys, I put them in the same, like, field, you know, and I talk to him all the time. He's, he doesn't do ball handling drills. He talks about as a young kid taking his ball in the street and like, you know, dribbling the ball around light posts and just chairs and and in the house and at school. And it became more of like a game to him. But it was something, though, that he enjoyed doing. And but he never had to drill it. And so there's a creative art side of it, you know, and I teach so that there is also like structured where you, where you can enhance strength and quickness. But the creative side is where you build your style. 
And those guys have very unique styles. I, I couldn't agree more about Jamal being uh, in that conversation. Uh, I had a chance to play with him a number of times in open gym settings against him in the NBA and then follow him as a fan. Now uh, it's just, he just plays the game or handles the ball with such a passion and a joy. You can tell he's enjoying it. Um, Absolutely. And that's something that I think you have to have if you're going to become great at anything, whether it's basketball, whether it's business, whatever it may be. Now you enjoy training and you've been able to kind of go all around the world in training players uh, in impacting and sharing your love of the game. Where, where all have you been in the, in the world sharing your love for the game and your knowledge of the game? You know what? I went on my first big time trip though. Gannon Baker is a mentor of mine that I've known for over 20 years. Uh, and in 2016, he was getting ready to go to Beijing for a month. Um, and something came up last second to where he couldn't go. So he sent me, I, I went in May of 2016, sends me a text like April 22nd. Hey, can I get you to go to Beijing in eight days? And I was just like, my passport was, was expired, but I thought this was, this is a big time chance though for me to go somewhere to build my brand, but also get to somewhere else for a month and kind of grow the game. And I went and got my passport expedited, went and got a visa. And I went and spent a month in China in 2016, which in turn uh, turned into multiple trips back there. And then in turn, turned into a trip to South Korea to, to uh, train a team called the Samsung Blue Minx, which was a girls pro pro team there in town. Uh, after that, went to Italy. And kind of since I kind of broke in over there, there's been a lot more countries that have contacted me about wanting to do stuff. Uh, but the same exact, it just goes to just sharing your passion for the game. I mean, if I'm there for a week, I can help you a little bit. But the big thing, though, with basketball is just being able to inspire the players to want to do more, want to be more. That's the biggest thing. That is. I, I, that's one reason that even though I don't play, I still like to be involved and do some different clinics in the Spokane area where I live. I've been to Canada a number of times, do different things. There's just something about when you have knowledge of the game, you have a love for the game, you want to help share it and you want to help spread it. You grew up in the Tacoma area. You were a part of a great basketball culture. And then you've helped share that and shape that over the years through different high school coaching stops. Boss, you mentioned stadium uh, and most recently Sumner. What is it about the high school game that you enjoy? I just love taking like a, a kid that really doesn't know what they want to do with the game. Some might have a joy for it. Some might like it. Some might be trying for the first time. But just like I said, to inspire them to maybe even look into this, that this might be like a venture that you might be able to get a scholarship from. You might – it just – you know, being involved in high school sports, it, it is just so raw as far as what you're going to get from the kids. And they don't know anything. So they're going to listen to you if you can give them some consistent discipline and structure. You can do some special things, you know. And so that's why I've always loved doing stuff, though, with the younger kids is because they are so adapted to wanting to learn and they crave that structure. Tacoma's had some tremendous players. Uh, you talk Isaiah Thomas, uh, Malachi Flynn most recently, yeah. Abdul Ghadi. Um, Avery I Bradley. I know I'm leaving somebody. I know I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, Avery Bradley. Devontae um, Lacey, Brandon Brown. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So many good guys. But it's also overlooked because Seattle's had a tremendous amount of guys. Maybe as many guys from Seattle in the NBA that have really good success as any major city in the country. When you look at Tacoma and you look at Seattle basketball, do you see a difference or do you see them as being the same? There definitely is a difference. And this goes back all the way. And you probably even felt this from where you're from. Seattle's like the big bro. Yeah. I, I mean, Seattle's just big, bigger. It's just, it's the biggest city in our state, you know, and it's just, it's, 
they have the history, even going back to like Doug Christie. I mean, like they just have the history with like Franklin and Garfield and beach. I mean, the traditions and the history runs, runs years and years back, you know? So we, if you wanted to get respect in the state, you had to go into Seattle and play them on their turf and gain respect. If they left and came to you, it wasn't the same, you know? So it's, they've always been the big bro. And what I found out in the last 10 years, you know, training guys like Nate and Aaron Brooks and Jamal and all these guys, is that they have a genuine love and passion for the game. And once they see that you have it, it's really all the same, but we come from two different areas. Yeah, I would agree. Cause I remember back in high school, uh, I was lucky that my high school coach for my sophomore through senior year had just moved down from Seattle. He was the head coach at uh, Blanchette before he took over at Prairie. And he had almost the same kind of out view outlook as you just mentioned is like, Hey, you're an up and coming player. We got to get our team to Seattle to play in high school summer tournaments. We got to get you at the Seattle youth spring league that helped mm-hmm. that was run by Ed Peppel at Mercer Island, yep. who now who ran the BCI teams at the, at that time. And so I agree with you. I had to go into Seattle. I had to play in the spring league, prove myself to the other guys. Uh, and then once you do that, you earn the respect and, and it's kind of like, Hey, let's go, let's play, let's battle. It's, it was a lot of fun. I guarantee you right now, though, and obviously you've done a lot more things, though, since then, but you can walk into any gym in Seattle right now, whether it be Frank, Glenn Beach, or Garfield, and you have respect immediately, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, that's, and there's not a lot of one. There's, there's not a lot of guys from outside of Seattle that can do that, let alone just some six-foot-one, six-foot-two white point guards that can walk in and can get respect, though, from some of the best of the best, though, throughout the years. I agree, and I appreciate that. And I, I, I think a lot of that goes back to – the, the traits that we talked about, the ball handling, the footwork, those were so important because if, if you have a great foundational base and then you have competitiveness and you have a work ethic, Absolutely. you can go in being prepared to play a, in, in an environment where, you know, if it's spring league or if it's a regular high school season game where you're ready to go because Absolutely. Seattle basketball is, and I've mentioned this on college broadcasts before that I've had, the Seattle Metro League might be the best public league uh, for high school basketball in the country. And I know L.A. is good, but that's more of the private schools in L.A. I know Chicago's really good. Right. Um, and I can only speak to what I've seen firsthand in Seattle. It, it's tremendous. Um, is there one rivalry with that Seattle that if, if you don't have anything that night, you're going to drop what you're doing, you're going to go watch that game? You know, and – I don't want to leave out Eastside Catholic because in the last like five, six years, even like 10 years, they have turned into one of the best programs though, too. It wasn't like that back in the day. When I talk about Seattle basketball, you're thinking about like Franklin Garfield, Garfield beach, Franklin beach. I mean like, and O'Day now they've always been good, but they've always been like the pretty boys, the Catholic, like the private school, but those inner city Franklin Garfield, Franklin beach, Garfield beach. I mean, those games, man, you got, just being in that gym though and seeing like Nate and Aaron Brooks and Terrence Williams and Maul and Brandon Roy, they all come out. They're Seahawks that come to those games. I mean, there's when the Sonics were here, the Sonics still would come watch those games. So those are games though, that are must watch. If, if you can do it Friday night, you better get there at four o'clock, but those games are packed out. As a, as a basketball guy, as a basketball fan in Seattle, I know the, the news has recently come out that, you know, the NBA wants to expand and Seattle is on a short list of cities that might get a team as someone who's as entrenched in the Seattle basketball community as you are, what would it mean for you for the NBA to get back to Seattle? 
I still can't believe that we don't have a team here. I mean, it, it's yeah. like, honestly, it's tough though to think about like the Seahawks and the fan base that we have and what, it, how we actually left, you know? So obviously that's a whole different thing, but to have a team here, one thing that Maul has done is he's done a great job of being able to create some sort of, of league and structure to allow kids to see pros up close, but to have an NBA team in town, you see how we swarm around the storm and what the storm has done, but to have an NBA team back in the Northwest is just going to continue like the tradition and, and the love of the game for all these young kids or the love basketball. You mentioned the storm and the success that they've had in the WNBA and, and gaining support and keeping support with the Seattle basketball community. You trained Kelsey Plum uh, yep. quite a bit, and she was a tremendous player at UW before moving on to the WNBA. Is there one thing that you think the average basketball fan misunderstands about the WNBA game? I think that – and this kind of goes back in the day, too, when girls were trained like girls and boys were trained like boys, and I think it's starting to mesh a little bit, though, that the average – or not even the average fan, but the fan that doesn't know a lot about the game just looks as females as not as good as athletes. They, they don't play above the rim. And I think that's the biggest thing that you'll hear is that people like the NBA because there's high flyers, guys are playing above the rim, where if you look at it, people have talked about the WNBA almost being a better brand of basketball as far as overall, the way the game is played, the ball movement, the philosophy, all that stuff. But that would be the one thing that they would say that why it's not as attractive is because they just don't play above the rim. You mentioned athleticism, and you're, taught, you're right, and people think athleticism is the high-flying plays, the above the rim. I've always made the argument and I've made comments that athleticism also includes hand-eye coordination. It can, it includes balance. It includes uh, stop starts, changing of speeds, changing of directions. I think that's something that directly correlates well uh, to people understanding the WNBA game better and giving them more credit. Would you agree? I would. And then if, if we're going to talk about that though, we talk about a golfer, are they not good athletes? And I got into a talk, though, with Kelsey and Lorenzo Romar. That's probably like three or four years back, though, after a workout. And we were talking about that. Romar, he, he brought that up as far as so golfers aren't good athletes. And it made you think a little bit. They're great athletes. Their IQ, their focus, they are good athletes, though, as well. So just because you can't jump and run and dunk doesn't mean you're a good athlete. It just, I guess, <laughs> that just means that you're an elite athlete. You know, so, uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the common misconception, though, with the WNBA is that, they're not as good as athletes. And I think it's, I think it's horrible to, you know, to say and to think because they are great athletes. Yeah. When, when we talk IQ and we talk about skills, mm -hmm. there's a lot of skills trainers out there that don't blend the IQ with the skills. And the things that I've heard about you is you do a tremendous job of, of building that base of skills and improving on them as the player's ready but blending them into the situational work and IQ work that needs to fit into a team concept. You mentioned Gannon Baker, but how did you come up with your overall philosophy and, and work? I think, you know, everybody's philosophy just kind of comes though, you know, throughout time as far as with like blending experiences, things that they've learned, things they like, things they don't like. And I've always tried to break like my skill development into like four, four boxes. Okay. So the first one, skill building. Okay, and that just comes down to no matter what offense that you plan, no matter what school that you're getting ready to go to, you've got to have certain skills as far as being able to use your right hand, being able to use your left hand, being able to use your feet, being able to pass the ball, different ways to score, skill building. Let's just build skill. The second thing then comes from situational IQ. 
And that might come down to learning how to read a ball screen, learning how to read a down screen, learning how to read a, you know, like a pin down, learning how to drive and kick space to floor, all type of situational IQ handoff stuff and just being able to get reps. The third one, and I just spell it out in, in capital R-E-P-S, okay? Just get tons of reps. And that's repetition elevates personal skill. That might be uh, five spot shooting, that might be pull-ups, that might be transition threes, but just getting a ton of reps. And the fourth one, comes down to you've got to have some sort of strength and conditioning program into what you're doing so you can become the best best athlete that you can. But that's my philosophy right there on how you build an athlete. Oh, I love on the that. basketball floor. I love that. I just made some notes. I, I wrote that down. Uh, I think they all make a ton of sense. And I really like the, the acronym REPS. Repetition elevates personal skills. I think that's something that you, you always hear the phrase 10,000 hours. Well, mm -hmm you got to spend the time to make things um, that are difficult seem easy because we right. talked about Jamal Crawford earlier and his ball handling. Yeah. He's got great hand-eye coordination and he probably has a feel for the basketball in his hands that most people don't, but you don't become that good with a basketball without an amazing amount of hours spent and reps, whether it's structured reps or as you mentioned, creative reps. Right. So I, I love how you broke that down. What's the oddest request that you've ever had from, from somebody in wanting to get a workout in? Man, I had a professor. This is weird, though, because it just popped in my head as you started to say it. Professor at Seattle U, uh, probably, I would say, maybe late 50s, contacted me, and he literally wanted to learn how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> Period. You know, And the thing about it is, is it was such an odd request, I took him up on it. Yeah, because I thought it would be cool. I mean, think about this, Dan. When was the last time that you actually taught somebody from the freaking bare ground all the way up on how to shoot a basketball? Yeah, we've talked about, OK, you got to get your feet squared. You know, you got to make sure your last two fingers touch and all this stuff. But when have you like really, really sat down and, and taught somebody how to shoot the ball started at the very, very basket, maybe laid them on their back? And we only worked out maybe five or six times, but in five or six times though, his grasp of being able to shoot the basketball went from zero to a hundred. And that was the oddest request, but it, I learned a lot during that time because I learned how to teach somebody how to shoot when I never fully taught somebody how to shoot. That's fascinating. And because I've taught clinics as, as I, I talked about earlier, but usually it's in a group setting. I, 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 I've never broke it down individually, and I don't profess to be a, a shooting coach. I, I've, I was a good shooter as a player, um, but some things you're better doing or showing as opposed to teaching. Is there one part of the game or aspect that you are most comfortable teaching? I would say ball handling. And just because of, like I talked about though with Maul, is that I spent some structured time, but I also spent a lot of unstructured time with a ball in my hand. And I always talk to kids about building a relationship with the basketball. And just by it being in your hand and juggling it and shooting it and dribbling it, even though that was only five minutes over the course of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, that becomes just experience. And so I just became very, very comfortable with the ball in my hand. And it became very easy for me to teach that because of the experience that I had invested. Tremendous. Chris, I appreciate the time. Uh, always love talking hoops with, with anybody, but especially Northwest guys, because there's, there's a certain bond, I think, that whether you're from you know the Portland-Vancouver area, Seattle-Tacoma, or Spokane, uh, Washington basketball scene is pretty darn unique. And I appreciate your time joining me on the ISO, and I wish you uh, continued health and nothing but the best of luck in 2021. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks a lot, man. 
episode with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.